Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Welcome back to part four of our series on 1 Samuel, and we're in chapter 16. We've been working through verses 1 through 13, and we're ready to finish out the passage today beginning with verse 8. And so I invite you to read along in your Bible or to find a translation online, and as we continue the verse 8, it reads this way. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. So we finish out the passage with the climax of the scene as we've been waiting and wondering what God is doing and who this king will be and what this king might look like versus how God sees. And we come to the second son to pass by, Abinadab, and the third, Shema, and then the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, those nameless last four. And Samuel acknowledges that none of those are who's going to be king, which had to be kind of perplexing for Samuel. I mean, Samuel, up to this point, has been led to one of Jesse's sons, and yet all the sons have passed by, and it's been none of them. So it had to be this moment of, okay, either I've missed something or, or something's missing. And so he inquires and finds out, oh, there is another son, the eighth son. And this eighth son is not only the eighth, not only young, but he attends the sheep. So he's, he's not of any significance. He's not a man. And so he's invited then. Uh, he's, he's invited this young shepherd to come and join them. And then when he stands up, this young shepherd, this ruddy and beautiful-eyed, handsome young shepherd, the Lord says, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel, without hesitation, which shows that Samuel is beginning to have the kind of faith he needs to have. When the Lord calls, you go. He could have questioned and wondered, seriously? Seriously, this kid, the eighth? Do you understand that there are seven older brothers? You know, no. None of these questions came to Samuel's mind. He rose, he took the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. So the whole family sees that David suddenly, the eighth, the most insignificant, suddenly has the blessing of the Lord upon him and the spirit of the Lord upon him. And this brings us to the name David. David is the new king, or he will be. And then Samuel exits the scene, and Samuel exits our scriptural story. 
We don't see Samuel anymore. It's quite a passage, an invitation to move on for Samuel, an invitation for Israel to move on from Saul, this rejected king, into this new era of an anointed king, to move beyond looking on the outward appearance and instead trusting God who sees the heart of things. Now, David, as we come to find his name in the final verse, is the least expected person to become this king. The eighth in line, so it would take a lot of death and tragedy to the family for David to have any significance in this patriarchal system. But yet it's David who tends the sheep. The shepherding brings a lot of images to mind. In the Middle Eastern culture of that day, the shepherd was used by lots of different cultures as an image for a king. But in Israel's culture also, shepherd was not a job you wanted. The shepherd had a lot of connotation to it. People that had a, a checkered past would be made to be shepherds because they weren't fit to run around in the social circles of the everyday life, and so they would be out on their own in solitude with the sheep, and the stench of the sheep would be on them and would precede them when they did come into town. And so you'd know who was coming and what kind of reputation the person had by the smell of the air. And so a lot of images wrapped into this, the least expected. And that just seems to be the way God always works. And yet, we always seem to be convinced that we have it figured out, that we know how things are supposed to look, and we know what is supposed to happen, and yet God continues to surprise us, surprises even the prophets, even surprises Israel, God's people. And God continues to surprise us still. And so it's a good reminder, a good lesson for us to be ready for what God is moving us into, a changing of the seasons. And as we all encounter what we're encountering now and things not going any way, any way we expected. And it's good to plan. It's good for us to have plans. And I like to think that any plan I make, it's good to do, but it's always simply plan B. I don't know what plan A is yet. God will reveal that or it will be revealed through something like the arrival of a strange virus. Our week, our, our month, our several weeks aren't going to be what we expected. But all along, that was the plan, so to speak. And so all of the things that you have planned, a lot of you had spring break plans. You didn't realize that they were plan B, but they in fact were, because that's not what happened. So it's good for us to have plans as the church, as people, as a family, to make plans, to be ready for what God may do, but just to acknowledge that our plans are nothing more than plan B. Now maybe, maybe through God's leading, plan B will become our plan A, or maybe plan B will be the plan that never was meant to be in the first place. And so we have to live with that. We have to figure that out. And sometimes it's hard for us to move on, but sometimes we get there, we start to move on. And I think age brings a lot of that to uh, our maturity just brings a lot of that into our lives and understanding. When I was 18, I thought I had life figured out what I would be doing when I was 25 and 35 or, or however old I might be. But then 25 came along and I wasn't anywhere close to where I thought I would be and I had to make peace with that. I had to forgive my 18-year-old self for not knowing all the answers and not knowing what plan A really was. And so I think that's why sometimes we struggle with certain benchmarks of aging, 30 and 40 and 50 on up because we sometimes just had pictured where we might be and, and that didn't end up happening. So as we embrace, as we learn to embrace, as we strive to embrace the plan A of life today and this week and moving forward, 
I invite you to remember that God saw this all along. And God is with you. God will lead us and God will bring, bring blessing through it. God did not make the virus come, but if we allow God to, God can bless us through plan A. So let us just reflect upon this passage, reread it in our spare time, and consider all that is brought forward in this one passage for Samuel, for David, for Israel, and for us today. So may you go, may you be blessed. May this passage speak a truth to you that brings you hope and assurance in the days ahead. And have a wonderful and blessed afternoon. Grace and peace. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you experienced God's blessing through our time together. To learn more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.